right, hello and welcome to Red Femme. My name is Jen Isaacson and I'm here with... Hannah Varelli. Hannah Varelli. I've heard of you. <laughs> so this is the second episode of Should Feminists Work with the Right Wing? So this is part two. Last week was the first part and we discussed, just to quickly recap, uh, we discussed basically the, the United Front formation that was devised at the fourth Congress of the Comintern, some really communist name, <laughs> for, in late 1922's Russia. And uh, the idea with United Fronts is that you work with everybody uh, apart from fascists. And it was explicitly formed in order to uh, make links with and work with reactionary sections of the working class. Yeah. So... And uh, we basically went through that. And then we also discussed uh, whether breastfeeding is labor. Mm -hmm. And I decided since, by the way, that if I really could shit gold, I would be a means of production. Yeah. I'm not sure I'd be engaged in labor. Yeah, but... But I'd be a means of production. And then it got me thinking, really, breastfeeding is just a means of reproduction. Well, yeah, this is vocal. Right. Yeah. But we just need that category of means of reproduction... We've kind of solved it. Yeah, I mean, this is what I was trying to say, that the point of whether or not it's labour or not, so to speak, is kind of beside the point and not really the most important political point to make. But it's because, obviously, in Marx, originally, this category of the means of women being the means of reproduction was not present. No, it's a Marxist-feminist. Yeah. Yeah. But once you have that... And that's recognized. About to say, I was about to say neo-Marxist, but I meant in terms like new Marxist, not the anti-Semitic conspiracy theory. Neo-Marxist. <laughs> what? what is? Do you mean cultural Marxist? No, I do mean I do mean neo-Marxist. Neo-Marxist just means usually a post-Marxist who's not very Marxist. But, but why is it anti-Semitic? Because it's like the the cultural Marxism thing, like the Jews are infiltrating all our institutions with their multiculturalism and their Marxism. And um, it's, yeah. that's, yeah. But that's cultural Marxism. That's a specific thing that's just a code word for Jew. Yeah. And Jews. Yeah. It's not, neo-Marxism's kind of a legit term. Right. Maybe more legit. <laughs> I still think there's... Do you think there's over an overtone? I definitely think the way with Peterson uses it. Really? There's overtone. They're everywhere, and they're in our schools, <laughs> and they're in our institutions. We don't and... know who they are. Yeah. It can look like anyone. Yeah. Okay. All right, well, I didn't know that was your view. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Interesting. All right, so we're going to talk about the last week. A lot has happened. It has, Particular, yeah. Particularly in, what's it called? Australia and New Zealand. Is it Oceania? I guess so. That sounds like that place from 1984. It does. It doesn't sound like a real... Anyway. Apologize, apologies to the Oceana community for <laughs> me to do a microaggression. You know, it reminds me when thing, when weeks like this happen, it reminds me of that thing that Lenin said. Yeah. And he said, sometimes for years, nothing happens. And then sometimes in weeks, years happen. Sometimes um, there, are, there are weeks where decades happen and decades where weeks happen. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So we kind of had a, a a very long decade this week. It was like a lot of ups and downs. Every day felt like a new, mm. new up or down. Watching it unfold. Okay, so we should start at the beginning of last week, which was Melbourne. Yeah. I watched the live stream and, I mean, we all kind of know what happened, right? Uh, just to tell anyone that doesn't, some actual Nazis turned up, 16 of them precisely, mm. I believe, all dressed in kind of black block uniform yeah but with cut off sleeves and shorts because i think it was quite hot that day in melbourne yeah. so it was like black block but for the the southern tropics yeah yeah <laughs> um anyhow some actual nazis kind of gate crashed the let women speak event and really why they were there is because the trans rights activists had put up posters everywhere saying protest the far right yeah. And then put a, put a big picture of Kelly J. Keene. Mm. But clearly the Nazis were like, oh, that's us. We're going well, to we're, we're gonna go and have a face-off with them. Well, I think people should... I think people should be aware of how these things work and how squadism 
and kind of political male street violence works. And there are left-wing men who like to engage in street violence with very right-wing men or far-right men, and they look for opportunities to have street brawls, basically. It's it's the same when football firms, so a crew of men that support a particular football team yeah. will text the rival football team on the day of the match to meet up and have a fight. Mm-hmm. It's not uncommon for young men to do this. No, it's very common. So I must say, though, that what a load of useless anti-fascists. They couldn't get through one line of police. And I'm glad they couldn't, because I think they would have gone straight for the women, to be honest. Well, that's what they were really interested in, wasn't it? Well, exactly. But they clearly don't have a central organization, because what they should have done and what, what... groups I was part of 15 years ago that actually used to protest real fascists is if you have a say even like a line of or several lines of police you all congregate at one point Mm. and you kind of push your bodies together and then you push together yeah but because they're all anarchist idiots yeah exactly they don't have any central organization following directions (laughs) which sometimes can add a little I was at a um a protest. We were protesting a liberal MP, and this was around the time of a a postal strike um, for the Canadian Union of Postal Workers, which is the most radical union, like supports Cuba, basically is a Marxist organization in Canada. In Canada, yeah. And anyway, they legislated them back to work, which means they passed emergency legislation that says that you're an essential service and you need to go back to work, or you're breaking the law. And um, this liberal MP was speaking, and we were all protesting. And because the anarchists, because they don't like following rules, um, <laughs> they uh, they like broke in and shut down the event. So sometimes anarchists being there can add a little spice, but often it just means they're very disorganized and put their foot in it. Yeah. Yeah. So anyway, but they couldn't get through this, I think, one line of police or something to go and fight these actual fascists because that's not what they're interested in they're interested in like turfs and they it's just this i mean it doesn't need to be said because i think we all know this but it's just this absolute hatred of feminists on the left absolute hatred of women who will who say no to men and no to men in their spaces and what refuse to tell the lie that trans women are trans women are women there's an absolute blind kind of vociferous um primal hatred of mm. these of of women like us basically and that's what they're interested in i mean yeah. they don't actually believe <laughs> that she's a fascist kelly j Keen. yeah or the women in attendance I well suppose. i sort of think maybe they've lost sight of what a fascist actually is so i don't care whether they believe it or not really um but anyway i watched the live stream and you really couldn't see any of these men in black anywhere and i think as far as i'm aware that's the perspective of the women that were there that you couldn't really notice them they were pretty much thought that they were sort of tras that had been cordoned off by police and yeah they just weren't sure why they were there until they were marched past everyone and zig heiled and i thought it was so interesting that the the police really facilitated them mm. but in my experience the police do often facilitate fascists yeah because they think oh, we don't want to have a big kickoff with a group of men yeah. that could probably outdo us physically. Right. And I, in all my experience as an organiser, the police always treated anti-fascists worse yeah. than the fascists. Yeah. So. Well, it sounds like from that podcast Kelly J did with some Australian women that they were, yeah, kind of marched through the line and kind of given this spot on the steps of whatever building it was to do a photo shoot, kind of with the with police escort, yeah. almost. Like, they had the women and the TRAs separated and they were marched through the TRAs to right. that side, which is all very... Anyway... I think a bit suspicious, intentional or not, very suspicious behavior. I just think the police are also really incompetent and cowardly. Yeah. Yeah. So I suspect that that was really what was at play. But anyway, unfortunately, the moment was kind of hijacked. Yeah. Because that was all people could talk about. And again, it really shows how fascism uses aesthetics. Yeah. So they did this bold photo Mm. they they look you know they all dress the same 
they all they have this certain way of kind of having um really creating imagery so it looked great on the news i assume um and unfortunately she quote about fascists and aesthetics i don't know i wasn't a door no oh it was a door no yeah he said that basically fascists aestheticize politics yeah he was like fascism is aesthetics and without politics yeah or something whereas what the left do is politicize aesthetics i'm gonna google it i don't think that was it okay google it and let's see it is that's the op- the right wing mm-hmm. they do that's why the nazis was all about having these like crisp uniforms in this yeah. particular particular way with these particular symbols and the way that they were kind of meant to be ornaments on stage that everyone gathered around mm. right if you think about how regimented they were yeah right in those fucking like almost like lines almost like army lines just watching hitler yeah and then a big fucking golden eagle in the background. It's also like the the fascistic kind of um, like oh you're gonna have the the beautiful home with the beautiful wife and the, the the white children and you're gonna bake bread in the morning and it's all about the aesthetics of how yeah. things uh, things appear. Well, that's what loads of um, their propaganda films were about. It was like yeah. beautiful nature. Yeah, and then they would have sort of um, you know like kids fitness camp imagery almost. Yeah. And children in nature and yeah. the, the frontier and our, well, our land. This and... is why I'm very suspicious of... <laughs> no. Um, but no, there is a relationship to the natural, basically. This is why, strangely enough, it's a bit of a crypto-fascist thing to be into natural remedies. Yes, it is. They Often women who get into that stuff end up becoming very right-wing. Yeah. 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 And it's, uh, it's really anti medical science obviously an anti-innovation and it's yeah. very traditionalist and well there you go that's one way to reject modernity yeah so anyway unfortunately i think that the moment was hijacked mm. and just kind of spoiled to an extent i mean i really hope that the narrative is moved on by the women there doing another let women speak you know minus kelly J. Yeah, and then basically the the narrative from both the TRAs and some women calling themselves hilariously socialist feminists online. Um, who are mainly anti-socialists. Yeah, who are mainly anti-socialist, um, was that, oh, well, if Nazis show up, therefore you must agree with Nazis. You might, you, you're, you're culpable somehow. Well, it's as if, like, you get the bedfellows you deserve, but they yeah. weren't in bed with them. No. The, genuinely, the whole of what I could see on the live stream and the camera was turned around many times to the crowd, you couldn't see them. No. You could see the TRAs. You could see down the street. Yeah. You couldn't see these guys. I had no awareness of them until I went on Twitter. Mm. And then we find out that they're actually very organized and they have a very um, strict political line, and their strict political line was Posey Parker is a radical feminist atheist who promotes lesbianism. Yeah. <laughs> and then there was some equivocation about, oh, but, you know, he, that's in a, one of their publications, but that doesn't represent this group or this party. And then I mean, our friend Shay... very clear. And our friend Shay Willowhand found out, no, 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 it is actually... He is a member of that group, and that's their official publication, and... Mm. So this idea that, you know, feminism and fascism, one of a tenant, a tenant of fascism is anti-feminism. Yeah. And you could say, oh, Kelly J doesn't call herself a feminist. She's doing feminist work, regardless of whether, whatever she calls herself. She can call herself an elephant. It doesn't matter. The fact is, is that in doing women's rights activism, it's going to be with an antagonism with fascists. Yeah. Necessarily. And they even said, like, they were interviewed and they even said, oh, no, we're here for little boys. Mm. what rights do women not have yeah and by little boys they meant the ones getting based yeah yeah that was their whole but this is the thing this is just like a rerun of pie in the 1970s it is it's such a close it's such a good analogy so what happened in the 1970s was the pedophile information exchange similar to transgenderism now tried to piggyback on the gay and right the gay and lesbian rights liberation movement mm. and say pedophilia is a sexual orientation too and they held meetings and the national front would protest them and then the socialist groups would turn up to protest the national front yeah and the socialist groups never said okay we're against fascism but we're also against pedophilia yeah I mean, it's just incredible and it lots is. of 
Labour MP, so Harriet Harman, mm. um, who is just a kind of, you know, she came to prominence really under the Blair government. I think she's just a pretty centrist, centre-left probably at the time MP. But she signed something in support of Pi in the 1970s because it really was that they were managing to pitch themselves of, oh, well, as, well we're an oppressed sexual minority too. Yeah. I just can't believe it's happening still 50 years later that socialists are turning up to support drag queen story time, which yeah. is presenting sexual performance for kids yeah this is just so crazy and so out of touch with the working class yeah completely yeah i mean in the working class the worst insult you can call someone really is a nonce yeah so it's so out of step with if you really think the work about learning from the class and well what learning from the class that you think the working class is the revolutionary class yeah you might want to not do the thing that they all think is like antithetical to their well-being and yeah. their kids' well-being and they'll literally kind of beat you up if they think you're associated with that. Yeah, and I just found it um, a bit perverse that women were so... Some women were so gleeful about these Nazis turning up. I mean... It's... Well, you could see that it was a ha-ha, gotcha. Completely, yeah. They loved it. And it, But it was, and it was completely constructed. It was completely orchestrated. And, and probably the kicker was the posters saying protest the far right yeah rather than saying you know protest feminists which is really i mean it looked like it was a good turnout it looked like there was a lot of women there yeah it went well i mean i know there was the whole attempt to grab the mic but all of these things if anything i don't know add some excitement to proceedings yeah it still continued it was very good some really good speeches but unfortunately because of this conflation and the media are complicit in this this conflation between the feminists and the literal national, like self-proclaimed national socialists. I think that a lot of women just got so much flack for it. And I don't think it was the confidence building event that it, it could have been and was intended to be. Yeah. So, and then she moved on to Hobart, which is a place in Tasmania. Tasmania. Yeah. She's an island off Australia. Yeah. And I don't, I would like to know why she went there because... Mm. I don't think Tasmania is very populated mm. or, I mean, what political current is there? Is there a highly organised feminist group? Because in the end, they only had like six speakers. Yeah. I th at the Let Women Speak event. And then it's not just that there were hundreds of TRAs that can happen anyway. It's that it did. I, I know a feminist in Tan. Tasmania. I keep wanting to say Tanzania. Tasmania. And she wasn't there. Yeah. So what happened? Was it just well, not I built think, on the ground? Yeah. Unfortunately, that's what it looks like. I think that women need to be aware that if if one of these events happens in your city, it's going to require some organizational and work. safety and numbers. And you do actually need to kind of rally women to attend. Um it was a really terrible thing. I think probably she went because also there was that court case mm. in um, Tasmania yes. with lesbians. Well, that would make you think there was a lot of traction there. Yeah. And I think that, I mean, I'm, you know, I'm still glad it, it took place. But I think that, unfortunately, seeing the women there quite overwhelmed numerically probably added a certain confidence to the other side for the next part which was new zealand yeah and auckland so and then auckland that was about 12 hours ago now yeah 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 i was out with a friend and um a friend of the show and personal friend shay willahan called me um and said i think i just watched kelly J nearly get murdered on live stream I mean, it was just absolutely horrifying. And then it was a matter of going on Twitter and trying to collect mm -hmm. what had happened. Um, but a really, really horrifying, horrifying event. Yeah. You know what's crazy as well is, as someone who's organised many anti-fascist demonstrations, we never had this idea um, that you would simply kind of stop fascists speaking to each other. It was always that you would have a big demonstration and you would try and build your size so you were 10 times more than them and you'd do a kind of A to B march that people could attend. 
and that you would win the day politically because you were in so many more numbers. Yeah, but I think really they hate women's speech. Right. They actually do want to stop but, women from speaking. But what I'm trying to say is this isn't even normal anti-fascist behaviour. No. And there would always be, you know, it was usually, it was the English Defence League mainly, their march and then, the, and then our march, the police would try and keep us apart. And usually it was men from, say, the local community. So if we're in Bradford, it would probably be the young men from the Pakistani community would run off in their own groups to try and fight young men from the other side. And it's not like you try and stop them, right? It's just like, well, if they want to do that, okay. Mm. There'd be clashes. Right. That was it. Um, there was never really this attempt, maybe because we were just unsuccessful, I don't know, but there was never this attempt of like, shut down their stage, take their microphones. You couldn't really get anywhere near. So th- it was always just about trying to get as many people there as possible so that we eclipsed them. Yeah. And I suppose, I mean, you know, the big event historically in London is the what they call the Battle of Lewisham in the 1970s, where there were so many people marching that the National Front couldn't march. Right. And and from what I'm aware of, it was just it was just numbers basically. And there was a lot of fighting with the police, a lot of fighting with the National Front. But it was this kind of street thing. Mm-hmm. It wasn't the National Front just, I don't know, wanted to have a microphone and speak. Yeah, maybe there was a disruption to meetings. I'm sure I heard about that kind of thing. So I'm not trying to say that this is not ever an anti-fascist tactic, but it was never the main one. No. Well, it is just a, it's a hatred of women's speech, and right. they absolutely hate women expressing that they're saying no. Basically, no, you're not welcome. No, you're not allowed. It's like if they if they even hear the no there is like a meltdown yeah and that's why they're all the women around them are so sycophantic right if you can't like it was so funny that anna kasparian tweeting oh aren't i allowed any personal boundaries it's like no not with this crowd women are allowed no personal boundaries whatsoever it's just hearing the no that they absolutely people act like you've i don't know said something um in, Almost it's more like you've done something. It's like you've shot a child on yes, live TV. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's how people act. Yeah, There's just like a total intolerance for it. And they wanted to stop women from speaking. I mean, my thought about why women's speech is so hated is because the next thing that happens is women organising. Yeah, we can talk about like the organisation of also a patriarchy and keeping women separate in homes away from each other so they don't speak to each other, they don't conspire, they don't come together. This was really kind of an evolution of, if you look at Silvia Federici, as we were talking about in our last last podcast, as in a transition to capitalism and the, the formation of the nuclear family was really about keeping women apart mm-hmm. so they don't conspire together. And there's a real hatred of women's speech. And obviously this is the logic that created like consciousness raising or whatever. But what I love about um, Let Women Speak events is like women speak publicly, women speak strongly, women rally around each other, women speak confidently, women repeat slogans like I always win. Mm. It's a it's a real strong, dare I say phallic, um, confidence building <laughs> exercise. And women have so little confidence. Women are so not given those opportunities to mm. to speak strongly and assertively. It's something that's so demonized. It's so emboldening as well when you hear women speak like that. Yeah. But yeah, I, I, my guess is because it's a precursor to action that it just has to be shut down immediately. And it's shut down also by women yeah, as well as men because it's just it's like this danger zone. Oh, I was so happy to see um, Kelly J calling that woman who transed her lesbian daughter a child abuser. Yes. It was just... I thought that was good. And that woman lost her absolute mind over it. It's so crazy when you speak the truth and you tell the truth about something, how people who are in denial and do have defensiveness can't happen. It's the same with Fox Fisher, as we've discovered. Yeah. Which is like when you overtell the truth, basically. Well, it's like Paul Gilroy says... You're not allowed to overtell the truth yeah. about anything politically. Yeah. But also people have a problem with the truth in their own lives. This thing of thinking, well, it's it's like staring at the sun for too long. Yeah. I can, you know, people find it unbearable. But yeah, I mean, we should explain the Fox Fisher thing. Right, the Fox Fisher because thing. Because she 
Kelly J announced that at Hobart. Oh no! Oh no! This was at Canberra. Yeah, in Canberra. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, so she went to Hobart, then Canberra, or I can't remember which way around. Yeah, well, yeah. That was the other stop in Australia after Melbourne, which I think was probably the most successful Australian event. It seems like. Yeah, they kept the TRAs far away. Yeah. There was that great thing where the senator <laughs> tried to go up, and then it was so. Um, undignified and humiliating for her because she was literally crawling around in her knee on her knees in these ridiculous heels because she couldn't get up yeah again because of her heels because of her heels it was uh god apparently she does that thing of lying down on the floor a lot and did it at pride but this is just a straight woman as far as i'm aware just hardcore virtue signaling yeah exactly but yeah so the fox fisher thing was that posey parker kelly j Keene was required to go to a police interview to do with the Brighton event that you were at. Yeah. Let Women Speak Brighton, because there'd been a complaint. And she couldn't reveal yet what it was about. And she revealed at Canberra that it was to do with Fox Fisher, who's a a woman who's well known for transitioning and promoting. visual artist, quote unquote. Oh, what a way to say unemployed. Yeah. Anyway, um, for being sort of on TV sometimes as this kind of trans figure and basically Kelly J described accurately something to do with Fox Fisher, who I think was there in the protest crowd at yeah. Let Women Speak in Brighton. And Kelly J just said, Fox Fisher couldn't handle that she was a lesbian. So she transitioned to a man and she was 100% certain she was a man. And now she's decided she's non-binary, which means you're a special person. And she's 100% sure that she's non-binary. And it was really about showing that this is fake. Yeah. That you can be 100% oh, I'm definitely this thing, yeah. and then actually you're not. And by the way, this is the arc. It's, 100%. The, it's that a lesbian decides that they're a trans man, and then after 30, all starts getting a bit less... You, you've basically wrung out the flannel on that yes. front. Uh, maybe you want to start... Maybe you want to stop taking testosterone as much because it's ruining your body. Yeah. Um, and then they almost all, in my experience, go to non-binary. 100%. Which just means I get to make less effort about it. Yeah. And I get to stop taking testosterone and still pretend to be in this uh, cult, basically. Yeah, I still yeah. get to be in the club, and there we are. And I think because it was so true, yeah, that's really why Fox Fisher will have made such a dramatic attempt to get the police to act. Because we've just been ringing in her ears because it was the truth. Yeah. I mean, way to fuck up your life. I know. It's just very sad, actually. Um... Yes, the Fox Fisher thing that was in that was in Canberra. Yeah, but women's speech, yeah, over telling the truth, they absolutely hate it. This is why I'm such a strong supporter of the Let Women Speak events. It's such a good idea. It's a fantastic format because it cuts right at the heart of patriarchal order. Yeah, and you can so tell women when they get to actually speak about this stuff. If you ever meet one. Like just in day to day life, they're so relieved. Yeah. When they t- can talk to someone who also is like, oh, I don't really understand. I remember that feeling myself of feeling it like when I first started expressing this stuff and talking about it and thinking about it, feeling so much relief mm. and to give up the women opportunity to just share. Oh, I've had like men at conferences say, oh, I told my wife last night about what you said she wants to speak to you. And I'm, yeah. like, I'm like, what? What is this? But the woman just wants some someone else to talk to about something that's been in her head and on her mind for so long. Yeah. And then she realizes that there's someone else that has, you know, has similar thoughts, has dared to say it. And then yeah. it's like, oh, can I speak to her? Yeah. And I've just had to like have phone calls with strangers, <laughs> with, with women I don't know. Um, but yeah, there is, there is such relief. But I think feel like uh i feel like what happened in auckland so i mean everybody knows right but we should say i mean basically it was the usual format of a setup with a microphone and Mm. whatever for women to go up and speak and it was on a bandstand in the middle of a park this is not a great place with 360 angles to be honest for anybody to come at you um from and Posey did not really have enough security. Well, the security pulled out. Is that and, definitely true? Oh, that's what I've heard, actually. That's what you've heard, okay. And that she had to reorganize new security at the very last minute. 
And, um, and could only get a couple guys. Yeah, that's what I've heard. Yeah, I mean, there were a lot of stewards, and the stewards did a really great job. Yeah, in a horrendous situation. Really, yeah. I thought she was going to die. I, I, when I first saw the images that were coming out, I was like, "This is going to turn into like an international incident." It was um, completely horrifying, and it was just like um, it reminded me from that scene in Game of Thrones where Cersei walks and everyone yells, shame, shame, yes. shame. It was yeah. like that level of um, just pure, unfiltered woman hatred. The thing is as well is, I know it was male violence, but it was also mob violence. That's it. And yeah. the problem with groups and mobs generally is this thing of dispersed responsibility. Mm. And it's so easy for people to behave in ways that they wouldn't otherwise Yeah, when people around you are diffusing the responsibility when you pe see people acting a certain way and you think, oh, well, they did that, so shall I. Yeah. Like just the, the social influence. They talk about it in psychology so much that group dynamics are actually a real problem a lot of the time. Yeah, yeah. And it was completely out of control. Yeah, completely. And it was all um, spurred on by this idea that she's a Nazi and she's a member of the far right. Well... This is the problem that if you, if there is an unwritten rule that you can punch Nazis, yeah. and that's kind of a politically accepted on the left, it's not necessarily that, that is the best tactic, but it's kind of like you're allowed. If any, yeah. if anybody, if you're, if you can be violent to anyone, it's within a political context, it's them. And then you simply start to filter more and more people into the group that you call Nazis. As soon as you place someone in that category, you make them not just fair game, but a target. And this is the thing I, I I tweeted about kind of my feelings about the women who have been slandering Posey Parker and others um, as fascist and far right and kind and, of the... And they, well, they started with associated with fascists. Yes. And then that very quickly, yeah, partly due to what's happened in the last week, became, oh, no, she is fascist, she is Nazi. I had people calling me Nazis yeah. on Twitter just talking about this. Yeah, I know. Me too. Yeah, me too. So... Um, yeah, and I got, oh, I posted a tweet about it and why I think it's happened. And basically, I think that a lot of women who have been liberals their entire life, voted for the Labour Party, voted for vote Democrat, vote liberal, whatever, are deeply uncomfortable that now that they have an opinion that puts them kind of outside of that bubble, they mm -hmm. don't like it. They don't like being associated with these backwards poor, uneducated, well, working-class people. Who can turn up to her events because she lets anyone speak. Exactly. If they And if they do express it, they have to caveat it with we're very respectable and we're very nice and we're very polite and we're, look how left-wing we are. And um, so she just became this kind of foil by which to protect yourself and go, she's the bad woman, but really I'm the good version. Yeah, I'm the progressive version. I'm the progressive version of that. And if you have any anger go after her, do not go after me. That's what I really think has basically happened. And I do think I got pe women saying, oh, stop blaming women for male violence. There was male violence. From what I understand, a 70-year-old woman was punched in the face. It's definitely male violence. I'm not disputing that. But also it was mob violence and crowd violence and group violence because people have been whipped up by rhetoric that you've contributed to. And is that me assigning culpability? No. I'm just saying that it might be something to think about and take a moment to reflect on. Yeah. And I'm not the kind of feminist who thinks women should be responsible for absolutely none of their own behavior. Yeah. Um, and that we should have no uh, responsibility or accountability or ethics in there's, any there's, way. There's a lot of that sometimes in feminism. There is, yeah. The idea that as a woman, you're not responsible for your actions because of the patriarchy. Yeah. And um, so, yeah, I do... If you want to accuse me of that, sure, fine. I do think there is a, like a little uh, conversation to be had. Well, this has been the culmination, and yeah. I've people have tried to say. I mean, I've tried to have so many arguments with people where I've said, you know, Kelly J. Kane is not far right. She may be centre right or centrist. Just seems like a new atheist type. Yeah, she kind of keeps her politics to herself these days, apart from transgenderism, as far as I can aware. Yeah, though she says things like, "Oh, I'm pro-choice." 
And then people be like, no, she's definitely not. It's like, look, you don't realize in this country, everybody's pro-choice. There is no threat to abortion in the United Kingdom. We're not the United States of America. And I know this because I went to the last protest about abortion rights at Parliament, which was over a decade ago, when there was a discussion around moving the abortion limit from 24 weeks to 20 weeks Mm. and it didn't pass this was like 2009 right maybe earlier right and uh you know it's just this isn't anyway all of these things are kind of sticks to just beat her with and at what point did you think this wasn't going to happen i thought this was an inevitability if things if things continued because things ratchet up i've seen it before and what really annoys me about it is is that a lot of the women on that side of the debate or that side of the whatever take this posture of like i'm just being really principled i'm just being really ethical i'm just really being um you know we're like these fainting flowers whatever they're concern trolling concern trolling i'm just worried about what this could do to feminism really yeah exactly and uh if there's any pushback it's oh we're being bullied and how dare you and this kind of um a very manipulative behavior but honestly it's been it's been nasty yeah it's been really 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 nasty it's it's a it's a hor- horrific thing to be going around publishing journals associating women with the far right um well we should say yeah we should say yeah. our friend shay yeah who's an irish nationalist yeah she's gay yeah she's a radical feminist and socialist she's 26 years old yeah and the idea that the radical notion would publish her this edited tweet, yeah, that kind of crops off the gif, that makes she, it clear what she was saying was obviously was a joke. facetious, yeah. right? Because it was like Kim Kardashian hitting someone with a big handbag. The fact that they reproduced this edited tweet uh, so that it looked as if she was saying women should physically defend themselves against men in bathrooms, which, by the way, yeah. I actually agree with that at a certain point. Yeah, me too. If a man comes too close to you, I actually think you're allowed to shove them and be like, get away from me, buddy. Yeah. Uh, and we're not allowed to... This is the crazy thing, what? We're not allowed to be defiant? A lot of it is that you need to be nicer to men calling themselves women, honestly. This is, this is madness. This is what's got us in this yeah, situation. Completely. Yeah, Anyway, the fact that that was put in without contacting her... Yeah. for comment or the clarification or anything... Or with no thought to the ramifications in her life exactly this is a woman living in west belfast and to associate her with british fascism which is tommy robinson yeah it's just it's just crazy a man who's like walked around with the orange order and it's it it, yeah suffice to say it's a it's um very a very uncool thing to do to put it lightly and this is almost like are you you're i get that there was a narrative constructed that was one that they were wanting to be true yeah they wanted it to be that there really was becoming this threat of feminism becoming as um becoming entwined with the far right it was a lie yeah so therefore you kind of look you sift through everything yeah and then they kind of found that and thought well maybe we can cobble together that that but putting shay i know who's written for like on the woman question like a marxist yeah feminist blog yeah in the same paragraph as QAnon. i know i mean this is just crazy and it's yeah it is really quite dangerous and you just think what are you doing yeah are you just spinning tombolas now and like oh pick this woman out we'll say she's far right or she's associated with the far right this is and it's it's so um it's detrimental to our cause, and we have seen how. And it also, like, builds bad will. So even if you had a political argument that I could listen to, it's like, well, you slandered my friend in a really vicious, horrible, dishonest, disgusting way. I can never listen to you or take anything you say seriously ever again. Right. Like, this is my thing. They always go, oh, we just have a principled political argument. It's like, no, you've been slandering women. You've been libeling women. You've been doing really, really vicious things sharing cropped and edited tweets in group chats and all kinds of nasty business it's so shady so shady and nefarious and scary and then to go oh we just have this principal political argument as if you haven't been participating in this like but this is the thing this construction of the narrative yeah that was a lie has the fruits of that 
are that Kelly J. Keene and the women who also went to her Let Women Speak events in Australia, New Zealand, are now being called Nazis and treated like Nazis. Yeah. Because you, this this has been the current. Yeah. I'm not saying it's only been constructed by one group. Um, obviously, this has been the TRA shtick for a long time. But when that culminates, I mean, it's it's just, I don't want to say it's a disaster because I think her tour was great. But I think, I mean, obviously it was a horrendous experience for her. Yeah. And it unfortunately probably does put off a lot of women yeah. to see, well, this is what you get treated like. And I just think if Kelly J. Keene can be out there with her own name yeah, as a, you know, as people like to say, a five foot one mother of four and go in front of these these vicious crowds baying for her blood i can barely respect feminists anymore that will be anonymous on twitter yeah. and argue with people yeah and i'm just like you won't even argue under your name yeah exactly like, oh i'm afraid i'm sorry it wasn't you who had to be escorted by the police to the airport yeah and pretty much put on a plane by police officers to get you out of the country because there were threats to your life i mean she got a death threat under her hotel room door yeah well this is the thing i just i don't have any respect for it and it comes from this like feminine bullying posture of like i'm a wilting flower and i think that's another reason why they fucking hate kelly J. because she refuses to be that yeah exactly yeah 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 i listen i i listened to a space earlier i mean i can't stand spaces really because people people just take so long to make a point but someone was still having a go about the I I will win slogan. Yeah, what is I it? always win. I always win. And someone had to explain, she gets women to say it. Yeah. And then they say it about themselves. It makes them feel good. You don't just need to have, we will win. Yeah. And it's like, if anyone says that Kelly J is a grifter now, you don't think the cost to this woman yeah. has been, if she was a grifter, she would just be flogging her t-shirts and sitting at home. Which some people do. Yeah. Yeah. She wouldn't be out there basically getting assaulted risking or, her life risking her life yeah for women's rights if she was a grifter yeah i just don't want to hear it anymore no. Th this has been proven wrong we've run the experiment and the results of the experiment are clear to see yeah that she risks her life and you sit behind your computer with from, from an anonymous twitter account yeah so so who can i respect yeah exactly yeah Oh. No, and I think there's been a real casualness about calling women fascists. And I think people really need to be aware that this is a really defamatory and libelous. Um, and calling women Nazis. It's, um, yeah, and I do think there probably is a bit of culpability for you. But it, and it's also such a desecration of history. Because actually, yeah. to be a Nazi is a really specific, extreme thing. Yeah. And the, almost no one today, bar the 16 young men in Melbourne yeah. and, you know, whoever else is around them, they're, you know, it's a very marginal tendency. Yeah. But historically, that wasn't the case. No. And the idea that ordinary women want to preside over like a new Third Reich. Yeah. I mean, this just becomes like sci-fi. Yeah. This is just such nonsense. Yeah. It is and nonsense. I know sometimes I quite like to call people crypto-fascists and be like, oh, that's a bit crypto-fascist, isn't it? And da-da-da. But to outright say, this person's a fascist, this person asks... I'm just like, well, you don't know what that is. No. Ultimately, you don't know what that means. Yeah, and it is a bit like... There's a, a certain minimization of the crimes that Nazis committed yeah. when you go around calling women who want single-sex spaces Nazis. I mean, you are exhuming yeah. the bodies of those murdered in the Holocaust to win a political argument on Twitter with a stranger. Yeah. Like, this is just so disgusting. Yeah. It is, it is a desecration, and I just can't believe that this is the level of the left nowadays i'm almost ashamed yeah to be to say i am left-wing but like i can't help that i am a marxist and i just developed that way through you know my political encounters and reading or whatever but i don't want to be associated with 98.5 percent of the left at the moment no 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 it's horrible and it is i think a lot of women really a lot of liberals um really form their self-conception around I'm not right wing 
Um, a lot of middle class liberals love this idea of they they form their identity around what they're not, and what they're not is poor, working class, backwards. I read books. I listen to the BBC Four. I do whatever. Well, it's the idea they're not reactionary at all. But the reality is, is most people have a mix of left wing and right wing ideas. Yeah, including middle class people. Yeah. So it's really just, well, do you want to win people or not? Yeah. And I mean, you know, back to the theme of the show: should we work with the right wing? Absolutely, yes. Because actually, a lot of the time whoever's right wing we would have we would have certain things in common with them yeah right if we do have a shared cause like most right wingers just general right wingers are against fascism this is one very good cause that you would work together yeah yeah. on yeah and i just or safeguarding right so much of this issue to do with trans is to do with safeguarding in schools safeguarding on the internet safeguarding that when your kid goes to the doctor that the doctor can't give them some hormone I think a lot of people's brains, I think it's, I know I keep bringing up Trump derangement syndrome, but I think it's a key thing. A lot of people want to pretend that fascism is like a real antagonistic force in their lives and that they can then LARP as Che Guevara or, I don't know, Rosa Luxemburg or whatever. (laughs) But because we don't actually live in that kind of revolutionary context, it's I have to invent the fascists under the bed. Yeah. And then you end up calling someone like Che an Irish nationalist, socialist, um, a fascist because of a Kim Kardashian gif funny tweet. Um, and it's like, I think you just kind of need to get over yourself. Well, it's so safe if you're battling a phantom. Yeah. This is the thing that when these things actually begin to emerge, who is it that manages to have the kind of spine of steel to actually stand up to yeah. terrifying political tendencies? And it's, well, most people aren't. Yeah. Most people don't. Yeah. And it's certainly not the people who are now just shadow boxing. Yeah. And the truth is a lot of these liberals, like Mike Michael Parenti said, like under fascism a lot of people's lives don't change very much. Yeah. You know, you send your kid to school, you meet up with your friends, you pay some they pay some more taxes, you do whatever. And this is what a lot of people do now with the state that we live under now, mm. which is very violent. So I don't really believe you. And yeah, I'm I'm happy that I said on Twitter, like, socialist feminism. I just want to be fucking clear about this point. First of all, socialist feminism or being a socialist feminist is not the same thing as being a socialist, comma, feminist. It's a very particular political tendency that came out of the wages for housework movement and a lot of women in Italy who were involved in the Communist Party in Italy and involved in anarchism and went away and formed their own particular political tendency. It had a little enclave in Canada, still a bit popular in Italy in some places in... In northern Italy. In northern Italy, yeah, and other places in southern Europe. But it's a tiny, tiny marginal political tendency. But it did punch above its weight. Yeah. For a small political tendency. Yeah, yeah, yeah. A lot of prominent socialist feminists that we read that we read and have important contributions or whatever but a socialist feminist is not some not a liberal woman who's a feminist who is a member of the labor party and a bit left-wing and a bit left-wing you're not you're not a socialist feminist that's not what any of that means and i find it a bit ridiculous that people who have never read greta lerner or Sylvia Federici, or Lise Vogel. But look, this is this is my problem a lot of the time anyway with people thinking they're left-wing and not being... Look, the, the majority of society does actually agree with some big left-wing policies, let's say free education, yeah. a national health service, maybe not in America because they're just so fucked, they're so to the right. Yeah. But most people do actually agree with a lot of left-wing ideas, but then they'll probably have quite a lot of popular right-wing ideas to do with anti-immigration and so on. <laughs> And I just, I, I can accept this. Like, I accept that my politics are pretty marginal. Most people aren't Bolsheviks no. in our current society. Well, yeah. Do you want to move? Yeah, I want to move. Oh, sorry, editing okay. break for future gen. I just have to listen. It's all right. Um. But I, and I accept, I accept this, that in the world we live in, in the global north, socialism's not that popular. I don't expect people to be socialists. No, no, no. In our current period, and the idea that I wouldn't, work with people to the right of me i mean then i'd have very few people to work with but then who is classed as right wing if that's conservatives 
a lot of the Conservative Party, who to left of the Democrats. Yeah. It's not like there's many, many of them support the National Health Service. Yeah. It's not like we don't have stuff in common. No. And I think today, because there's so few political things to get involved with, right? Like political campaigning is kind of an all-time low. We live in a really apolitical culture yeah. compared to other places. And, yeah. and even less than, much less than, say, 15 years ago. Yeah. So where can you put your political energies anyway? And I just think that's why it becomes this kind of abstracted conversation and everything's reduced to, you know, what do you label yourself as Twitter? This is why I no longer wear clothing with any politics on it. Yeah. Like no political T-shirts or badges or anything, as I did, say, 15 years ago, because it's been reduced to this personal branding, yeah. this signalling of what, you know, I say my views are in my head. And the thing is, is really it's practice that matters. Yeah. I suspect that theoretically, I agree over 95% with, um, you know, the women that run the Radical Notion Journal. Sure, yeah. I bet that we agree on almost everything. Yeah. But the moment it comes to practice, I vehemently disagree with you. Yeah. And that's really what shows, I think, subjectivity. Yes. And I'm yeah. I'm taking this from um Alan Boudou, who's who's talks about how events show subjectivity. It's how everyone responds to events. And I just feel like I have more in common with like a sensible, I don't know, centrist woman. Yeah. Who doesn't come out with this off the wall say nonsense yeah and i actually do think ironically enough i think it comes down to identitarianism yeah which has ruined the left yeah and this idea of trying to build a camp trying to build a brand trying to build a you know a tiny strand there is no point in this no there just isn't we just need to get on with politics yeah and respond to things as they happen yeah and i feel like I feel like I have more in common with Kelly J. Keene because of her political actions yeah. than I do a woman who theoretically says, oh, but you know, I'm a Marxist, Jen, and da-da-da-da-da. I'm like, well, that's nice. Yeah. Do you want to come to let women speak? Oh, no, because Posey Parker uh, doesn't agree with free education. Well, I'm like, oh, God, well, we have nothing in common yeah. because I have a completely different approach to you. And I also just think you're nothing about subjectivity and events. Um, I think your ethics and your politics come out with with your actions, regardless of what you actually say about yourself. Yeah. And if you're the kind of person who can slander and defame women in your publications unfairly, who are who are socialists, who are whatever, and you and you behave, you, those are your ethics. Well, it was also because she's young, and therefore they think you don't matter. Let's that's be on. Let's be honest. Thing. Shay gets so much shit on Twitter. So much. I get less because I think I talk to camera and people are a bit scared of me. I don't get any shit since I put doctor in front of my name. Yeah. And I, I don't start fights with people, but I, I, I basically um, oppose people. Like I'll say, no, that's a load of rubbish. Da 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 da. And I might be more polite than that, but I'll, I'll say, op I'll tweet oppositional things directly. Nine times out of ten, I don't get a response. Yeah. Because they just think, oh, doctor, not taking you on. Yeah, there's just honestly so much ageism and feminism as well. It really drives me up the wall. It's not the kind of... And, and, the, and the hate that Shay gets is nothing compared to what you or I get. And it's just because she's a younger woman. She dresses more femininely. I think there's a bit of jealousy going on there. Um, but it's really this this lack of um, kind of insight or reflection on how these bullying tactics have affected women. Um, and then instead taking this posture of like, I'm supreme victim mm. and I'm whiter than white. And I just I'm this principled feminist with a principled feminist. You don't have any principles. What well, principles? Well, it lets you know people's values because yeah. you can see people's values in what do they actually value. Yeah. Right. Yeah. It's like uh, I'll often give an example of I don't want to say the name, but like my friend who you met on the coast that I had a fling with once. Okay. Yeah. Uh, she She's a very political person. She, politics, politics, politics is her life. She's always trying to tell me what to do politically. She spent her life basically being uh, uh, surrounded with children. Yeah. And, you know, being a wife and mother. There's nothing wrong with that. Yeah. But she shows that those are her real values. Yeah. And that politics comes second. Yeah. And again, that's fine. But this is how you know when people, what people actually value. Yeah. And I think there's a lot of personal animosity. I also think there's a problem in feminism of um, weaponizing victimhood. 
I do. I do think there's well, a problem. It's the one. It's one of the few subject positions available for women. So of yeah. course, like everyone uses their available subject positions. And I think, unfortunately, the gender critical movement has used that as a tool quite frequently. If I'm being bullied, I'm being harassed, I'm being whatever. I'm not trying to minimize when that has happened, and I'm sh- and it has, and it does, and I support those women and whatever. But it's been a tactic of this, like I'm. I'm a, you know, fainting flower thing. And I think Posey D- Parker kind of flies in the face of that. Yeah. She and, show, she shows people up. And she comes up and she's strong and she kind of refuses to be in that subject position, to use your words. And I think there's a lot of animosity for that reason as well. Well, I think that that is what makes women so hated is the moment you step out of your subject positions. Yeah. The, the, the subject position that is the normative one you're meant to have. Yeah. 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 Yeah, no, I love doing that. I remember this is years ago. Someone was sort of harassing me on Twitter and then they sent me my own address. They were Mm -hmm. like, I know where you live. This is your address. And I thought, what can I do? I could block them, but then I'd look scared. And I just said, come round. Yeah. I was like, come round 6 p.m. tonight. And they went, okay. And they didn't come. Yeah. And I messaged them and said, I waited for you. Why didn't you come? They never messaged me again. Mm. So I'm just saying like... There is a way to resist these things. You just do the unexpected, nonconformist thing. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I think that is because she is actually really nonconforming. Yeah. It's like... Anyway, I'm just going to say it's, it's, dis- it's disobedience. Well, I'm just going to say what I think. Who cares? It's like Women's Place UK. Whenever Women's Place UK does an event, they're protested, which... Why wouldn't you expect that to happen? Of course that's going to happen. And then all the fanfare around it is about how, oh my God, we were scared in the building and we wilted away and it was so scary and so horrible that we're being protested. This is a strategy, whatever. This is not Posey Parker's strategy. Yeah. And she gets in their face and she says, I'll always win and you can try, but I'll try harder and I'll beat you and whatever. It's a very different strategy. Yeah. And I think one is a winning strategy. And I don't think I have to tell you all which one I think is the better strategy. <laughs> yeah. No, I think defiance is always the winning strategy. Yeah. I've not seen a case where it isn't. It's not like I think it's the best ethic. I just haven't seen a case where, who was it? Sartre. He said, I, whenever I didn't take the most radical approach, it was a mistake. Yeah. I think it was Sartre that said it. Maybe I'm robbing Michael Parente of a quote, but I think it was Sartre that said that. Yeah. And yeah, I agree, actually. Yeah. If you can have the nerve to do that. And I think the fact that, I mean, clearly what Kelly J. Keene has been through mm-hmm. in the last day, you know, and she's still not claiming that ground of, I mean, she said very clearly, I feared that if I fell over, it'd be the last time I'd never get up again. Yeah. And that my husband would lose a wife and my kids would lose their mom. Uh, we all know what that means, but she's still not. She's just stating the fact of yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, and I just, I admire it so much. And there we go. And I think that there's a real, there's been a real uncharitable take on her. And actually, it's a bit like, I'll give my example. When I saw her speaking in Hobart and she was getting quite wound up understandably, and was aiming some of her aggression at the Green MP that trans their daughter. Mm. And that was great. And then at one point, she started making reference to like having her mortgage paid off in a big house. And I thought, oh, why is she making these comments? Oh, there's a housing crisis right now. I don't like these comments. And then I thought it about, I thought about it a bit more. And it kind of dawned on me a couple of days later that what she was really doing was comforting herself saying, I have home to go to yeah and that in the middle of this mob i have a really nice house where you know people have space and it's comfortable and actually i can retreat there and then i realized and i thought yeah you actually just often need to think in a more sympathetic way to understand people and yeah. I, I, we could we could do a lot more of that i think and i think there's been like people on both sides who forgot she's a human being yeah yeah but that's always what this is about Victoria Dutchman-Smith, who just... I just don't don't think she does a tweet that isn't great. Do you want to move again? Yeah, sorry. It's okay. She... I think she quoted um, Federici, actually, and it Mm. was about how 
when people are demonized and women were demonized as witches, it's that thing of making you, um, dehumanizing you to the point that you can be the recipient of violence and it's justice. Yeah. And actually, I'm not saying that what's going on is fascism here, but that's also the way fascism works. Yeah. It's about finding a group or a target and dehumanizing them to the point where violence against them is acceptable. And in fact, it's a good thing. Yeah. So I'm, I'm not saying that TRA is a fascist. I don't like it when people throw this accusation on the other side and they go, oh, they're acting like fascists today. Well, there's not really such a thing as acting like a fascist. There's just being an actual fascist or not. Um, but certainly this kind of scapegoating really does have an effect. And I think that because this time the mob violence was too far, it ended up humanising her. because You could see her afraid in the crowd. We all know how it would be to have been there and what the, the women stewards went through and so on. And, you know, Kelly was not the only woman to have tomato soup yeah. poured over her and so Eggs on. Eggs and one got punched in the face. And, and the one woman had a railing thrown at her. Yeah. There's loads of testimonies of people writing, men and women writing, saying, oh, I saw a woman get shoved over. I had to help a woman get out of there. It was clearly a really dangerous, violent situation. And I almost think, you know, because I remember having standoffs with cops when I was younger and sort of getting um, hit with a baton. And for some reason, I think because it was the police and it was a bit more structured, they often they would throw a line in front of you and you could always retreat what was really scary about that situation in Auckland was that they were surrounded. Well, I don't know if you've ever been in a, been to a concert or a, a crowded event and had that crushing experience. Right. I've had it's it's horrifying. Right. It's really you 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 have this sense that you're being suffocated and it's dangerous, and then you have another layer of panic of I can't get out and I'm trapped. And it's, um, it's terrifying. It's horrifying. And there was just this crowd pushing in on them. You very easily a woman could have been suffocated or trampled. Mm-hmm. It happens very quickly. If they'd got stuck. Yeah. Yeah. <sighs> so everyone needs to go to all the Let Women Speak events. And no, seriously though, um, to provide a bit of an admonition, and this is a reminder to myself and to everyone, Posey Parker comes to your city. It's your responsibility to organize women to come. Yeah. Um, to ring round everybody you know and you give them a political argument. Yeah. That's what I used to do all the time when I was involved in organized left politics when I was younger. Yeah. You would ring people and persuade them and say, look, you have to be there. Mm. This is why it's better to be quote unquote comrades rather than just friends. Yeah. Because your friend, you can let a friend down. Oh, I don't feel like going. And, oh, you know, I'm tired. You can't say, oh, no, you have to. You well, know, if you're just big... friends, you have to give people a political argument and say, no, it's really important for you to be there and be a bit firm about it. Go on, sorry. But I think this that's a very good point. And I think there's a bit of a problem in, as you've put it, Jen, in, in feminism, there's like the friends, lovers... The friend-lover structure. The friend-lover structure. And that you only organise with your friends and lovers. And then people who I've tried to relate to politically just see it as a friendship group. And I'm like, this isn't a friendship group. No. I don't know half of you. Yeah. <laughs> and I've you know, and, got enough friends. And I think this is when... It's also about putting principles above personalities. It's when exactly. I don't I don't like a woman personally, so therefore I don't have to go. I don't, I don't know Kelly J. Keene from Adam... She could, uh, she could be someone I did not get along with, didn't like. At and all. I don't need to know her. And I don't need to know her. And I don't even need to like her. It's not the fucking point. And you don't have to like the people you politically organize with. It's not the point. It's about having bigger principles and ethics. And I think there's a serious lack of that. And people go, eh, she's not a nice person. I don't care. First of all, I don't think that's true. But secondly, it's, I don't care, even if that were the case. Yeah. Really do not give a shit. I know, but it's, you know what? She's only held accountable, f- supposedly, for things she said. And again, I just don't care that much what people say. I care about what they do. Yeah. And actually, she's done nothing wrong politically. No. She made a few mistakes in the past. She made a few mistakes with giving interviews to, to anyone who asked. Yes. Basically. Which yeah. was not, probably not the best move at the time. Yeah, which I think now she's wised up to. Yeah. And had some advice, maybe. But other than that, I don't know. And who who in the world hasn't made mistakes? Yeah. I mean, I've made political mistakes, I think. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So 
do we have anything else to say about working with the right wing? <laughs> I mean, we've talked about just this week and... Yeah. <sighs> it's just there's a certain level of gravity now that I hope that everyone involved in this movement feels a bit more... Mm. Um, the stakes are a bit higher than um, personal disagreement and disagreement about personalities and... Well, I think people are realising the cost Yeah. of of certain... Certain things like demonizing a particular woman, and that actually the backlash against some of the individuals, actually just a small group of individuals that kind of coalesce. I think that the cost to them now that people have recognized, you know, you helped you helped brew this, and it's come to a boiling point. Yeah, I think that the cost to them in terms of popularity has really what made them will make them think twice yeah i don't unfortunately think that people just have a moral compass and, and gonna have a, bit, a conscience and it got a bit bit um dicey with the anti-semitism stuff and accusing jews of being anti-semitic and there there was some some diciness there when on Twitter, there was a Jewish group that came out in support of Kelly oh, J, yes, yes. and then he was—they were the wrong kind of Jews mm. because they were pro-Israel, and um, it got it got um, dicey very quickly. And I would imagine that will also make women kind of think twice about throwing around these sorts of accusations. I'll say that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, what was it when we were discussing it? We were like, "Oh, the Jewish Association of Australia is pro-Israel." Oh, I'm so shocked. Yeah, yeah. A Jewish organization that's pro-Israel. Like, most are. This is the reality. Yeah. Or they're conservative Jews, so they don't count. Oh, that was it. It was yeah. the, the guy that had... Um... Some guy on their board is particularly conservative. Wow. I mean, shock Ima- and horror. Imagine that. Yeah. <laughs> it's just so ridiculous. Like, oh, well, it doesn't count. Yeah. Yeah, that was it. It was like, wrong kind of Jews. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, okay. Yeah, no. I think that... I mean, it's just mad, but honestly, I really feel like hopefully things have moved on soon from any of this nonsense because of what's happened, basically. Yeah. So, and I do worry that if she'd gone to Wellington, it would would have been the same or could have been worse. Yeah. It just takes one nutter. That's it. To decide to be a martyr for the cause. Yeah. And basically martyr someone else. Yeah. So, scary. Yeah. So, please attend Let Women Speak events, (laughs) even if there are going to be right wing women there. Who knows? I mean, imagine having like a political survey before you allow women to speak. I'd be like, so, um, socialism in in one country? Possible, not possible. (laughs) Like, mine would be such an extreme. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then in the end, it'd be like me speaking alone yeah yeah exactly <laughs> i have there's one man alive with whom i share very similar politics and every time he hears you speak he's like oh we're, we're exactly the same who our friend um oh my god i can't believe i'm forgetting his joe name. joe yeah yes okay our friend joe well at your event it'll just be you and joe it'll just be you and joe like on every issue we play a game and be like what how do you feel about this and it's always the same mm-hmm. it's quite funny <sighs> all right well See you next time. Maybe we'll have a part three. Who knows? Yeah, we'll have a part three, yeah. Okay. Okay. Well, bye-bye. Bye-bye.